Hi, this is Ria Mahesh. I'm one of the DJs here at the station, and I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Fen Lily, who is an indie folk artist that I've been a fan of forever. She just released her latest album, Breach, and it's full of bangers, and really it's been so comforting to listen to this album during this time of self-isolation and obviously the pandemic that we have. I just really enjoyed talking to her about her music, her inspirations, and yearning for live shows to come back. So, alrighty, here's the interview. Hope you enjoy. Alrighty, well, we're going to start with some rapid-fire questions. So, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Something with salt in it. Salted caramel, maybe. Good answer. Just salt. <laughs> it's plain salt. Also a good answer. <laughs> uh, favorite color? Dark green. Dark green. Dream vacation? Uh, under the sea. Does that count? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I want to be a fish. I don't want to be in, um, in a box. <laughs> Is that possible? Can we do if that? You, I think you can totally do Would you want to be a fish if you could be any animal? I think so. They've got not a lot of memory, and memory seems to be something that makes me sad, remembering things that are sad. It'd be quite nice to have to, like a momentary memory. And they, yeah, swimming all the time. It sounds good. I'm picking fish. It's funny that you say that, because that's my DJ name, DJ Fish. Everybody at the radio station calls me that. <laughs> That's brilliant. My uh, my godfather's <laughs> name is Fish. It's not his no real way. name. I don't actually know his real name. <laughs> That's an awesome name. Um, if you could collaborate with any artist, who would it be, dead or alive? Ooh, there's um there's an organ player from the '60s called Bo Hansen, and he made a record about um, it's called Lord of the Rings. He like did an an organ album based on the world of Lord of the Rings and he like played with Hendrix and stuff. He's mental. So him, oh, I think he's alive wow. still. Maybe it's possible. Oh, that's awesome. That'd be really cool. Just like really horrible, like discordant organ and like kind of pipes and stuff. It's really cool. Awesome. <laughs> um, what's your favorite caffeinated beverage? Coffee. <laughs> coffee. How do you take your coffee? Black with sugar or maple syrup. That's a good shout. Mm. Try it. I haven't tried that. I will, though. That sounds good. What's one book that you think everyone should read? Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Have you read it? Mm-mm. What's it about? It's kind of a parable or a fable. I don't know what the difference between those words is. Um, it's about a seagull who is ostracized from his group for being ambitious and different. And all he wants to do is fly really high and be the be amazing at flying. And it's basically about self-perfection and the pressures of being different I was given it by my parents when I was a kid and I read it then it's quite simple and really short but it yeah it's uh it's comforting and makes you feel kind of supported (laughs) I'll have to check that out I've I've been yearning for some of that in quarantine (laughs) tell me about it all of the books I've been reading I realized are basically about people being trapped and then I had to make a conscious decision to read some books that were less um, close to home. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that one hit a little too close to home. Um, what do you prefer, crushed or cubed ice? Oh, I hate ice. I think really? it's a waste of time. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I, have, 
<laughs> I have sensitive teeth. I think since I, I got braces and then I didn't wear my retainer and my teeth are just constantly moving. So my mouth is basically always in pain. And I feel like ice interrupts the, the process of drinking. It's always like just there hanging around. I hate it. No ice. <laughs> Who's your celebrity crush? Ooh, I have two. Um, Anthony Bourdain, R.O.P. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jenny Slate comedian have you seen her she, she's so cool there's she's a funny. there's a netflix thing called um stage fright and a lot of it's like filmed in her house it's like a kind mm-hmm. of a documentary about her childhood and it's got her parents in it and she does this impression of her granny and and then they show her granny and it's exactly the same she's <laughs> i'll have to check that out that sounds awesome um, okay, ignoring the limitations of money and physics, what would your ideal concert look like? Like anything can happen at this concert. Ooh. I would like everyone to be lying down in those like recliner chairs that you can get at posh cinemas. And somehow everyone's brain, what they're seeing, is linked to the specific story behind every song. So it's like you're being taken on like a guided VR tour of space, but it's not space. It's my memory of what happened based on the, the theme of the song. That would be so cool. I would want to go to that. I would pay a lot of money to go to that. Yeah, well, you'd have to. I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ambition, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or really just like any show at this point. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's a true answer. Um, what's something that you can't go on tour without? Um, things that block out sound. I am so in love with my band and they're brilliant people, but occasionally I really don't want to hear anyone talking. So I take earplugs and a hoodie with a drawstring so I can just close myself in completely, be blind and deaf for a bit of time. Yeah, that sounds necessary with all the craziness of touring. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, I like, I like headspace. I like being able to feel how I want to feel and it's hard when there's lots of people's feelings and stuff going on. Alrighty. Well, we're going to transition into like the more serious questions, I guess. Um, these are just like questions that we came up with that we thought were like pertinent to your music, but like, if you have anything else to add or any like follow-up things, feel free to add whatever. Cool. So how did you start playing music? Were you influenced by your parents or was it like completely self-motivated? Self-motivated. I, I was home educated for a year and I got, uh, I took piano lessons and my piano teacher was brilliant and he didn't teach me like regular stuff. He was just like kind of like a mad professor, but musical. And he made me want to write songs, but piano didn't feel like the right way to do it. So I taught myself guitar from ultimateguitar.com. And yeah, it was basically just a reaction to not having anything to do I grew up in the countryside there was not a lot of stuff to do and I didn't really have friends for a long time I think it's quite I don't know if you've had this but cliquey when it comes to girls friendship groups at school and I kind of just gave up on it and started writing songs in my room Um, but my dad likes to say that I got my musicality from the fact that he used to be in a child choir but I don't I think that's anything to do with it. Um, so sorry, Dad, if you're hearing this, but yeah, you, I 
I'm a self-made man. (laughs) Do you have any like crazy piano teacher stories? I feel like everyone has a couple of piano teachers that were a little interesting. Uh, No, my piano teacher was wicked. He, uh, he used to make tracks for TEFL. So for teaching English, English as a foreign language. Oh, wow. Uh, I used to sing like some of the bits on his TEFL songs and they were bonkers. They were all about like, there's a bear chasing your mom and then there's a bear chasing your uncle. And it was like learning the, I don't know, titles of people in the family, but he'd construct these really horrible kind of Roald Dahl-esque stories mm. around them. And I'd be the English voice. So, no, he was brilliant. I've got no complaints about my, my piano teacher, but my school music teacher was insane. He was clinically deaf and he just took out both his hearing aids when we were doing practical lessons because he just hated music and children and us so yeah (laughs) so dark I wonder why that kind of person decides to be a teacher I guess because uh he can't be a musician like some kind of bitterness (laughs) I don't know but yeah he was insane (laughs) wow yeah that sounds a little crazy um I've been a fan of your music since you released Top to Toe and I've noticed that your sound has changed a lot since then but like the key elements of your songwriting have remained the same. What do you think are the biggest differences in the themes of production of your first album versus your second? Firstly, thank you. Um, I made the first record in my friend's bedroom and we didn't have any instruments apart from guitars and my voice. So the first record, bar two of the songs, was entirely constructed from sampling my voice and um, using my voice as one of the main instruments. So as a result, it's quite sparse and kind of, I I just, I really just wanted to sing the songs. I didn't really have any ambition with production. And then when it came to touring the record, I realized that I wished some of the songs were a bit bigger and I had agency to do that live but um, I was conscious of the fact that I wanted to make a record that was a bit broader sonically and had kind of a full band sound. So I think the production has become more intricate and a little bit more purposeful and probably just louder because i that's what's fun to play live. And playing live is the reason why I'm still doing this because it's the part that kind of feeds me the most. So... Wow, that's like a pretty significant difference from going from like just guitars and like voice to be able, being able to do everything. Um, like, were there any like collaborators on this last album that you were really excited to be able to work with in that space? Um, I actually really didn't get that many people to play on the record. It's quite, we had a drummer from Chicago um, and Brian Deck, actually, the the guy who produced the record, I was really excited to work with him because he made um, my favorite Modest Mouse record. So that was really cool. But um, we Mm -hmm. also had a string quartet play on the record and they were amazing. Everything that they tracked, I cried to. I think just strings in general make me feel small in a good way. Um, But also my, uh, my bassist is probably the best musician I know. He's called Joe. And he's got a band called Slonk and another band called Jumbo. And he's brilliant. He's, I mean, if I, if I didn't know him, I don't think this record would be nearly as exciting to make or 
play. So I, th- I have him to thank for a lot of it. But um, yeah, I I got Lucy to sing some Lucy Dacus to sing some backing vocals. Mm-hmm. Probably my claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think that's really cool though because it's like you get to look back on this record and be like, wow, like I wrote these songs, but I also pretty much played most of it, which I think like in today's age with like just accessibility to so many other musicians, it's like pretty much everything is this huge collaborative work. But like, I think it's really cool to be able to look back and be like, this is pretty much just mine. Yeah, for sure. I sometimes wish I had didn't have that control freak streak where I feel the need to be able to play all the parts myself because it would probably make for a more interesting record if I let other people take the reins sometimes but I've always been really <laughs> like vigilant about like if I can't play it there's no point putting it down because I won't be able to do it on a stage yeah I'm I don't let people into the process easily <laughs> um yeah which I'm not ashamed about but I should probably loosen up with at some point <laughs> I mean, it's working well for you, so <laughs> it ain't broke. <laughs> um, what was your favorite song to make on Breach, and what's your favorite song to listen to? And I guess what's your favorite song to play live, or what are you most excited to play live? Ooh, my favorite song to write was I Used to Hate My Body, but Now I Just Hate You. I wrote it when I had a, like a fever, I had the flu, and I was just feeling really angry, and I wrote it as a joke, and then it kind of became serious. Um, recording wise I really enjoyed recording Laundry and Jetlag we uh it's the last song on the record and I tracked the guitar and vocals at the same time played them at the same time but it wasn't for a click or anything which normally makes it tricky to add other stuff to but weirdly mm-hmm. I managed to keep it <laughs> pretty wow that's regular. crazy yeah and then we just kind of built built on it from there and had some kind of uh What's the drummer from the uh, Velvet Underground? Mo Tucker? Oh, I've got that wrong. Maybe it's that. Um, got some like really subtle drums and kind of built it from the bare bones, which is the way that I like to, pro- to produce stuff, but often it doesn't, it isn't feasible. Um, and then obviously the strings, which made me cry. So yeah, that was fun. Um, my very favorite song to listen to isn't really a song. It's, it's called 98 on the album and it's just some guitar that me and Joe recorded by accident. We were just like sound checking some mics in the studio and then Brian was recording us and we didn't know. And we just play this like nice little guitar noodly bit. And then we just overlaid some, uh, this recording that my mum found of me talking when I was like one and it's really cute. And it made my mum cry. I think it's the only song on the record that made her cry, which makes me think it's a good song, but it's not actually really good of a song. So, yeah. <laughs> what about, what are you, um, I think like all of those stories are just insane to me. I think the the joke turning into a real song is just really hits close to home. I think that um, I like have done that personally one time. I like wrote this country song as a joke. And I ended up really liking it. And I was like, well, maybe I should make country music now. (laughs) I I was saying for ages that this was my country song. I used to hate my body. It's like such an obvious story. Like starts from the start and it ends at the end. And it's like, 
got a fucking key change and um I didn't know if I I shouldn't have sworn maybe um <laughs> yeah I was calling it my country song phrases I think uh oh <laughs> got a message you can curse brilliant thank you <laughs> but, but, but. um yeah I think as soon as you let go of the idea that something should be good it ends up being better than you would have been able to purposefully make it I think if you're kind of doing something as a joke it's probably going to be better than if you were like I'm going to make something really serious and great um yeah and my favorite song to play live or will be to play live is solipsism that was the only track that was born out of in inverted commas a jam which I hate to say um but not because normally I write by myself completely don't let anyone add anything until I'm ready but that one started as a drum and bass (laughs) drum and bass track um yeah just drums and bass and then I kind of built the melody around that but there's that big wall of guitar sound at the beginning and I think I'm going to feel like I'm in Jesus and Mary chain so excited for 2023 or whatever <laughs> whenever we can Sorry. hopefully it's not that long but, uh wow that i'm excited to hopefully i'll be able to see that one live that'll be really cool hopefully it's in a weird tuning though i, I think i might have forgotten the tuning that's my problem i'm like i'll just change everything about my guitar and then um don't practice or write anything down and then everything disappears it's taken me months to relearn Elliot because I just couldn't find how to play it on guitar (laughs) it was infuriating Um, are you like a big alternate tuning kind of person big time because I can't really play guitar um I literally just play what I need to play in order to sing but recently I've well before I started writing for this uh, for Breach, I went away to Berlin and was like, I'm going to actually play guitar like I see other people playing guitar, like move my fingers around. Um, mm-hmm. And then I wrote the the little riff bit for Berlin and then gave up. I was like, that's it. Now I've got kind of like a, a guitar bit. Um, so I need to get better at guitar. Sometimes it's embarrassing to know that I, I couldn't just join in with, like if my band start playing like the Harry Potter theme tune, I can't just join in. I have to like work it out and it's frustrating. I need to get better at that. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same. I like, am definitely not nearly as good as guitar as you are, but I still find myself using alternate tunings and other ways to try to make myself sound better than I actually yeah. am. Well, just make it easier for yourself. Yeah, I, it's like, if you've got a weird tuning, you can probably just play an E major and slide it around and it's going to sound really impressive. Um <laughs> true (laughs) um what's your songwriting process like do you start with lyrics or melody and um, how has your process changed over time I the first thing I notice and like about other music is melody and voice but mainly melody I'm quite melody orientated when it comes to writing songs so I normally just sit down it has I have to be completely by myself I has I have to know that no one can hear me because it's the most embarrassing part of music like I don't want anyone to hear me being like blah, 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 blah. um and I just sit down with a guitar and find some very basic very simple chords and a weird tuning and kind of just hum 
or sing anything that comes to mind. And normally it tends to feel like I'm writing about something that's completely unrelated to my life. And then a couple of months will pass and I'll realise that I've kind of told the future subconsciously. Like I'll be singing about a breakup even though I'm in a relationship and then two months later I have a breakup and I'm like, oh, I knew it was coming. But the process tends to be pretty simple and I don't like taking ideas to other people before I've, I've become really comfortable with them myself. So I don't do co-writes and I don't do like trial sessions with producers where we like write a song in a day. I write when I feel like I need to write quite sporadically at the moment. And uh, actually for this record, I um, did teach myself how to record at home with GarageBand, which people laugh at, but it's, I think it's fine. And um, I built all of the parts for everyone's writing the actual bones of the tracks. So that was really nice to have a bit of control over um, what like the drums would sound like and whether I wanted, that's why there's two key changes. Hypochondriac has one and OCM my body. Cause I was like, how do I fill a minute key change? So I think it's changed in the sense that I'm now more aware of the fact I want it to be a band thing, but I'm not ready to fully let other people um, write their own parts. So yeah, it's become, I've become less reliant on a producer and more um, independent demo wise, which is nice. That's very cool. The whole and you just like tracked all of these and GarageBand kind of just like made demos for everyone and like, mm-hmm. wow, that's that's insane. <laughs> oh my God. I'm drinking this coconut water and I didn't realize it had pieces in it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, no. <clears throat> wow. Um, that was a horrible shock. And they're like, do we? <laughs> Gross. Um, yeah, I just kind of map everything out for everyone. And then inevitably, um, Joe is too good a guitarist for me to write his guitar parts so he writes his own guitar parts but um the first track on the record is um didn't change at all from the demo that's like the actual guitar that's the that's the garage band recording that I just mapped out and then we something when we tried so that like entirely self recorded which feels I feel good about that it's quite cool hmm. That's when you read like someone self-produce their own record completely and they self-recorded it. I think that's so cool. But um I think that's the coolest too. It's like well, it's also probably great for you now with COVID and all being able to kind of do your own thing that way, like you're not like because it's probably harder to get into a studio and whatnot. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's also nice to know that um because often finding the right sounds for a track takes a really long time, or you're really lucky. So now I can cut out that big stressy part by kind of getting everything ready by myself in a space I feel comfortable in before taking it to a studio where there's pressure and there's like money and there's people you don't really know and there's egos and yeah. It um, limits the possibility of me having an argument with some guy in his 40s. (laughs) Yeah, which is always a good thing. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> and we're back. Alrighty. Um, what's your favorite venue that you've ever played at? Ooh. 
I did a tour with um, a guy called Charlie Cunningham when I was about 16 or 17. And we played in the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra house hall thing. Yeah, it was crazy. Like the stage is circular and it's at the bottom and all the seats are up around it, kind of like a Coliseum situation. And they've got mics hanging from the ceiling. So you kind of just stand wherever you want. And that is the most, the natural sound of that room was insane. It was really cool. And I think we were the only kind of non-classical act to play there for like five years or something. It was really cool. Mm. Yeah. Wow, and playing there so young, that's like a very, very cool experience to have. Yeah, I was wearing the dumbest t-shirt. I'd I'd run out of laundry on the tour and I bought this shirt from a bong shop and it said bullshit on it. and <laughs> a picture of a bong on the back <laughs> and I was playing and then I finished and I like turned round to walk off the stage and because the stage is circular like everyone can see every part of me at all times I like walked off stage and then realized that the whole time everyone could see this big bong on the back of my top <laughs> in this really fancy <laughs> serious venue with all these fancy serious people you know it's so stupid I actually found that shirt recently and threw it out because it's just not even funny um yeah <laughs> that, that, that sounds pretty funny to me <laughs> that's hilarious um wow well um what are three albums that greatly influenced you as an artist Ooh, I've always really liked Feist um I like the fact that her voice just it doesn't sound like she's trying to be anything other than what she naturally is so let it die I listened to a lot when I was a kid. I honestly didn't have very good music taste when I was a child. I didn't grow up on like good music, really. Because I, I was recommended music from my parents, but I was like, no, I'm not going to listen to it. You're my parents. Um, but having said that, my parents did get me a Nick, Nick Drake record. I think Five Leaves Left when I was like nine and I didn't really get it. And then a couple of years later, I was like, oh, this is amazing. So really anything by Nick Drake, the early, like the first couple of records. Um, and then... I guess Burn Your Fire for No Witness, that Angel Olsen record, mm. that felt to me like like comfort food. That was all I listened to while I was doing my A-level art exams like by myself in my room, painting these like photorealistic paint, oil paintings of fabric. And I was like an inch from my canvas listening to that for 10 hours straight, weeks on end. But I'm still not bored of it. It's really expansive, but also really, <laughs> really intimate. Um, <laughs> so such a wanky thing to say. Um, but recently... I've been listening to, <laughs> weirdly, he's one of my best friends, so it feels really weird to say, but Willie J. Healy, the way he constructs a song and the instruments that surround it, I think he's a genius, which is awkward because we're friends. But he came round the other day and I had his record on my record player 
and he spotted it so I think he knows now that I'm like a really big fan <laughs> um but it's weird when your friends become your musical kind of um focal points that's a strange thing like I listen to Lucy Dacus all the time and I'd like to think that I could call her with a problem it's strange when you're kind of your peers become the people you want to be I'm in that stage right now that is so cool I mean that's that's a very unique experience I think and I like I think that is especially cool in like the music community because like so much of music is influenced by each other versus like I'm not 100% sure about like other art forms how much that is the case but I just wanted to go back to your Nick Drake comment and also the Angel Olsen comment I'm like super fan of both of those artists but like Nick Drake specifically like I've never been a fan of like piano songs like piano and guitar music I really have never been a fan until I like listened to Five Leaves Left and I was like piano music is good yeah and like Bryce Elater is kind of jazzy in part which makes me uncomfortable because I really hate jazz like I don't want to even be I hate like saying that I hate something and someone's like, oh no, but you haven't heard blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, don't change my mind. I like loads of stuff. I don't need to like jazz right now. I don't have space for it in my head. It makes me angry because I can't follow it. But yeah, his, um, his guitar playing as well is phenomenal. And I wish he hadn't died because I'd like more records to exist. Apparently also he died like a secret virgin. He told everyone that he wasn't, but he was. I think he was really even sadder than we assume he is. Wow. But it feels like a hug. It's quite strange, like, um, yeah, two ends of the spectrum. Have you listened to Molly Drake? No. You would love her music. She's just, it's like really beautiful, like, piano music. And it's just like, wow. That's so cool. What, his actual mum? Yeah. And she died like 20 years after him, which is just like insane for her to have like carried that load. Yeah. So, oh, she's so beautiful. Wow, that's a cool cover. Yeah, nice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh, of course. Um, Let me know your thoughts. I like really think that she's so incredible. And they have like a lot of some older, like he makes like more focused music. And I would say that she makes more like traditional, like piano songwriter, like that era music but um they still have like a lot of really similar elements but that angel olsen album as well is like banger after banger but like her music is just like i totally agree with that thing that you said about it being like intimate but also like expansive it's just like she's made like a guitar and a voice just like it brings like a whole new like texture and quality to just like that type of music yeah and it's such simplistic i don't want to downplay it but the way that she plays guitar made me realize that I don't have to be shredding all the time or like prove myself to be a good musician by the way that I play. It's the way that both the voice of her guitar and her actual voice relate to each other. And yeah, I think she's, it's like clever writing without having to be like, I know loads of stuff, which I really appreciate. Yeah, she's really cool. Those sister albums too, just like seeing the like full production on like All Mirrors versus like Whole New Mess and just seeing them like stripped down was just like really, really cool for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like listening to, um, 
what's it called? Oh, so- Song Exploder, that that podcast where they take apart songs. I like hearing where a song started, and it's even better when you see that a record is only as good as the songs. The fact that she's managed to make this like theatrical, incredible, over-the-top album, but then you hear the actual songs stand up by themselves, really stripped back. That's really good writing. Because I've come to the problem now where I'm trying to do like live stream shows or whatever, where I can't have a band. And some of the songs on my record, I literally can't play without drums, which is a new problem because I never... Yeah, I never, I didn't even have drums on the first album. So I think it's it's really cool that her songs can work really tiny and also enormous. Yeah. Smart. That's a great lead-in into our next question, which was literally about, like, the COVID live streams. I was just wondering, like, what are some of the challenges that you face when doing these? And also, how do you make sure that they look and sound good? I don't really think that any of the ones I've done have looked or sound good. Um, I'm really stupid when it comes to computers. Um, and I was actually doing them on like a broken phone without realizing that my mic was broken for like weeks at the beginning of lockdown. Um, but I find them really challenging. I really actually hate them and I don't like watching them either. I think it's, it almost feels voyeuristic. It's strange. And you don't get that reciprocal audience performer vibe or there's no energy in them it feels like singing into the void and you can see people coming and leaving and uh, I was talking about this with um Francis from Hopalong um and yeah we came to the agreement that it's it's almost like standing in the middle of a supermarket and hoping people stick around and listen to you it feels kind of like busking in a way it's strange Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's none of that kind of personal um, personal element to it. I also feel like I really need applause for no real reason. Um, maybe it's like a childhood thing I haven't worked through, but I need someone to be like, that was great before I feel like I want to do another song. And you don't have that. I have to like get my boyfriend to be like, you're doing well from the other room. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean as much as I'm really thankful that we all have the internet because otherwise we'd all just be in our rooms crying. I do think there's some things that just can't be replicated over the internet and shows yeah, is obviously one of those things. I'm really adverse to doing them. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's also hard to know what to say in between songs. Like you can't just say nothing. But also no one really wants to know about your day because it's probably been exactly the same as their day and it's, it's all boring to listen to. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, given the choice, I wouldn't do them. But I also think people need to know that the world is still functioning and music is a way to bridge the gap between how life was and how it is now. So they're important, but they're hard. <laughs> the whole, like, show's live stream thing is just so... It, the live stream will never, like, match the experience of, like, being around people and listening to music. It's just, like... Yeah. And I know they are trying, like, the... They had those, like, Minecraft shows, and they're they're trying their best to, like, be interactive, but it just is not the same. And I bet, like, for an artist, it's, like, way, way, way different. Yeah, it's weird as well, because, like, I made this record to play, to play it live, and I finally have a band that I really 
gel with and I love being around them. So it's kind of a kick in the teeth to be like, to spend so much time producing and thinking about the arrangements of an album that then you have to present to people and sell to people with just an acoustic guitar in your bedroom. And also it's invasive for like, I don't want everyone to see my house and like where I exist. And it's, it feels almost a bit too personal, which is ironic that I'm saying that because I do this bath time show where I talk to people like literally naked in a bath, but that's more of an extreme choice. Um, but the best live stream, the only ones I've been watching actually are Christine and the Queens ones because nice. they just put on like the track and then dance and sing and it's entertaining because they're a brilliant dancer. So yeah, those ones are good. But I wouldn't watch mine if I wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but I would come to my shows. <laughs> I need to check out the Christine and the Queens live streams. I've, I'm a huge fan of their music, but I didn't know that they were doing those fancy things. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I think also the the room that they do them in looks like a dance studio. They must have made kind of a dance studio in their house, which is obviously pretty sick. So yeah. Very cool. <laughs> you mentioned your bath time shows. Um, I really enjoyed watching those. Um, what inspired you to do these weekly interviews and what are some of your favorite memories from them? Well, I think a big part of it was the fact that I didn't know how to be online during an album campaign uh, without it being conversational. I didn't really have anything to talk about because I haven't been playing shows and my life has been pretty boring. Um, but I knew I needed to be present on social media because the label told me I should. <laughs> um, but it's also, I mean... I don't want to sound smug, but I think it surprises people at shows when I speak and they're like, oh, she's not like a sad, serious, um, like classic introvert that you would expect from the kind of music that I make. So I was almost like, I'd like people to know that I can be not the serious, sad girl that comes across in my music. Um, and then also I, I get sick of being asked the same questions by interviewers. I haven't been asked any of those questions by you. This has been a good interview, Bless. but often <laughs> so far, um, but yeah, often I'm just, I just find it really dull that I get asked the same questions over and over and it seems like there's a lot more to talk about and the musicians that I've been on tour with have been really brilliant, interesting people. And I don't think that is able to be seen often in uh, the way that journalism is. So <laughs> that makes it sound like I think I'm doing something completely groundbreaking. I know I'm not. It's also kind of like a social life now. It's like every week I get to talk to someone on the internet. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like a, a retaliation against being asked what it's like to be a woman in the music industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, yeah, get to have a bath, which is nice. <laughs> wow. Um, I think I've definitely noticed, I think like, well, we can speak openly about this because it's like a college radio station. We, we, we still do this, but we try not to, is that it's just like so much of the music industry is just like 
four white guys playing guitar. And it's just like, I think that whenever it's like a woman or anyone that's like not a white man, it's just like, I feel like so, so often the story of that artist is structured around the fact that they're an unconventional musician or something. When it's really just like, everybody just wants to vibe and make music. It's just like, yeah, we try to not do that at the station, but I like even find ourselves like falling into the trap, like booking too many bands that are exactly the same or things like that, or, you know, having like token artists and, you know, we need to not do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a strange thing. I was listening to um, a podcast conversation between Sasami and Black Belt Eagle Scout, I think is the band name. And they were mm-hmm. talking about making space at shows for people that normally get pushed to the back societally and also physically at shows. They're like women and people of color or like short people all come to the front to have like a chance at experiencing this um, to the to the best it can be experienced. And like white guys getting really angry and being like, just cause I'm a white dude doesn't mean I'm like not a real fan and like, don't push me to the back. Um, which I find a really funny reaction to someone trying to make space for people that otherwise don't have space. It's like, what about me? I'm so used to having space and being at the front. Um, but yeah, I've, I mean, the bath time thing, it started as me just talking to my friends who I know, who I've been on tour with or I make music with. And then um, I didn't run out of friends, but I realized that I was kind of talking to a very specific group of musicians from a very specific kind of genre. So I've been trying to get guests on that otherwise I wouldn't cross paths with or that I've got a completely different musical or personal background to that's I think more of a beneficial conversation for me and probably one to watch also to have people from polar ends of whatever spectrum discussing that difference not in a serious like TED talky way like in a we're naked in a bath kind of way but um (laughs) I have actually started to wear like a modesty bra because there were a few episodes at the beginning (laughs) where I would get a message from people being like and we saw your tits again um (laughs) I got so yeah really bad my mum sent me a message being like it's getting sorted at this point I was like mum I'm not doing it on purpose I'm not doing it it's a publicity stunt I don't want anyone to see my food it did happen (laughs) that is so funny (laughs) that's like take it down you hear like once it's on the internet it's going to be there forever and i'm like oh my god everyone's gonna screenshot my boobs um <laughs> but i don't think they did so, safe now. oh that's i i really love the i i hope you keep doing these like bath time shows for a while they're very entertaining and just like and it's I'm, it's really nice because it's like i mean like i feel like i mean i I've also heard that like a lot of indie artists like think this is weird, but like people, people like feel connected, right? Like people, people like you and Phoebe Bridgers and like Lucy Dacus, they just like loop in this like sad girl indie, but it's like y'all are people and like y'all are funny. And it's just like, I think it's really given like fans like us a chance to like really get to know y'all outside of like 
I don't know, like just your music and like all of that. And it's been cool because also the artists that you've brought on, like I love Francis from Hop Along. Like they're one of my favorite bands and it's just like collaboration, like episode of the life. I think, I don't know whether it's like an American polite thing, but like at the end, all of the, <laughs> the people that I admire have been like, oh, eventually when we get to like hang out in person and I'm like, that would be so cool um but I have to keep calm and be like yeah I mean whatever I don't really care um it's really interesting also to have conversations with people who's like especially Frances I've listened to her music for ages and to actually have a conversation about things that you would have a conversation about with your friends or your mum is really comforting and gives a kind of con to the music that she releases it's like oh I get the kind of person you are you worry about things and you obsess about things like I do um but normally I would just be confronted with this impenetrable wall of like impressive amazing music so yeah it's been really fun um already this is our last question unfortunately but I think it's a fun one um if the Fen Lily aesthetic was a Pinterest board, what would be on it? <laughs> oh, probably this t-shirt, um, which <laughs> is blue tie-dye with a horse painted on it. <laughs> I actually bought it as a Christmas present for my friend, but it arrived and I really like it, so I'm keeping it. Um, ooh, what sums me up as a person? Well, dead flowers seem to be following me around. Um, Mm. I did an interview with a with a weed blog and I uh told them that I had a really bad gummy experience where I bought loads in LA and I couldn't take them home with me in my suitcase and it, I had like a breakdown on the plane home and I cried the whole way so maybe something to do with that I feel like that describes the problems that occur in my life daily um I don't know. I don't have Pinterest. I use it one time to find a good um, shelving solution for my kitchen. <laughs> and then I didn't go back because I think it's boring. <laughs> and it's confusing. It is confusing. Um, what do you think would be on mine? Mm, I definitely think the dead flowers. I'm thinking maybe like a like like a quiet beach, kind of like in a, like a winter, like a wintry beach. coastline winter um also like cozy things like maybe like a fire nice but you should use pinterest i really think that you're missing out i i like recently had like a pinterest revival like i (laughs) used it a bunch in middle school and i like bookmarked a bunch of like vegetarian meals and stuff back then and like christian girl autumn outfits but (laughs) (laughs) now i'm using it again it's like it's awesome there's like some really cool stuff on there (laughs) oh maybe i'll give it another try i feel like the only way i get content is from um reddit and it's like not (laughs) it's it's limited um there's a reddit there's two reddit like tags that i follow one of them is things that slot into things really nicely like the perfect size book going in the perfect size slot on a bookshelf oh that's awesome etc 
And the other one is, <laughs> I don't know whether I should say, but I will. Titty drops. <laughs> People pulling their top up and just like boobs exploding out. I just find it really so funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not arousing. It's just like comical because I don't have particularly big boobs and I think it's really funny that some people have <laughs> really big boobs that um pop out of clothes I think it's funny <laughs> it's boobs kind of like a personality somehow it's like hey guys here I am <laughs> so I'd recommend following that maybe put put some put some titty drops on my <laughs> on the Pinterest <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> awesome. I think but the I think the best part about Pinterest is that nobody perceives you on Pinterest like nobody is on it and so it's like you can just kind of like <laughs> I think I have like one follower and it might be like my mom I think is true that's nice I'd like a hidden platform to fully immerse myself in things that actually interest me rather than feeling obliged to follow things that are like socially acceptable because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now we know I have really weird taste <laughs> content yeah well, this was this was so much fun. Um, I really had the best time. And thank you so much for coming on our show. No, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm actually admittedly quite hungover, so this is nice. I feel normal again now. At the beginning, <laughs> I was like, oh. um, but yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs>